Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning. Good morning, beloved family. It's wonderful to be with you on this holy day, Feast of the Epiphany, which I know most of the church celebrated yesterday on Sunday, which would have been the official vigil of the Feast of the Epiphany, but most of the um, first-class feasts that fall out on Monday or during the week, many of them have been um, uh, switched to Sunday so that uh, everyone could be there. It's a holy day of obligation, but again, Sunday uh, was uh, was the day that it was celebrated in most churches. Um, I wish that weren't the case because I'm a mean person. No, I'm kidding you, but I'm not kidding that I wish it was the, the, ca- the case. Um, because when holy days were celebrated on their feast day, um, it it our faith was lived much more throughout the year. Uh, many people just go to church on Sunday and hardly pay attention to the feast days and don't even know it was Epiphany. Um, I find that a tremendous loss. Um, but today is the official day for Epiphany, so not to worry if you're not at church. I know it's quite all right. <clears throat> but I want to read you a very beautiful article which... Uh, I took from Regina Magazine. Um, Regina Magazine is a magnificent, beautiful magazine, and and I get it online. Um, If you just um, uh, do a search for Regina Magazine, you will get it. And yesterday's issue had this wonderful article on the Epiphany, and I I think it's so important. I'll explain more as we go along, but the article is good and succinct, and I'll read it for the for both of us. I haven't read through the article myself yet, but I know, you know, there are certain sources you know that if you have an article from them, <clears throat> they are utterly, utterly trustworthy and uh, usually preferred. So this begins um, by saying that the festival of the Epiphany, also called the Feast of the Holy Three Kings is one of the most ancient feasts of the Church of God and from the very earliest ages was celebrated with special rejoicing by the children of the Catholic Church. We find the cause for this in the fact that this feast is associated with the remembrance of the greatest graces in which the faithful in every nation of the earth rejoice, namely, their call to the one, the only saving faith, the Holy Catholic Church. <clears throat> Excuse me, I still have my cold. Um, I tell you why this is so, uh, I'll depart here from the article for a minute, to tell you why the Epiphany is so magnificent and so utterly thrilling to me. Our major feast day, of the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, but also the Day of Consecrated 
Day of Consecration for Religious Life, which uh, John Paul II, Saint John Paul II declared as such, is February 2nd, which is the presentation of our Lord in the Temple. February 2nd was the traditional last day of Christmas, and we hold it as the last day of Christmas here. We have Christmas lights that begin New Year's Eve, or rather Christmas Eve, and um, go right through February 2nd. Because February 2nd, the presentation of the Lord, is also known as Candle Mass, where many churches have processions with candles to say that the light of the world has come. And it was Luke chapter 2, the story of uh, the elderly Simeon, um, uh, an elderly Jewish man who believed all the prophecies of the coming Messiah and believed that they were due then, 2,000 years ago, that all the prophecies of Daniel and, and all the prophets pointed to the Messiah's coming when he did 2,000 years ago. And he did come, and he did fulfill his promises. And most people, the majority of the people didn't believe it because he didn't free them from their Roman bondage and didn't kill their enemies and didn't set up his kingdom. But he came first, as he said, and as the prophet Isaiah wrote, to uh, as a suffering servant and will come again as a reigning king. 2,000 years ago, the Messiah did come as a suffering servant. And somehow... The Holy Spirit had let the aged Simeon know that he would not die before he saw the Lord's Messiah, the Redeemer of the whole world, who would be born of a virgin from the prophecy of Isaiah, and who would come through the Jews, for the Jews, and for the entire world, the Savior of the world. And Simeon waited every single day by the um, in the temple, when many hundreds of uh, mothers and fathers brought their newborns under the law of Moses to be consecrated in the temple, to be presented in the temple, and they would bring a sacrifice with them, a lamb, or if they were poor, as Mary and Joseph did, two turtle doves, And they would consecrate their firstborn to the Lord. And Simeon watched and watched and watched as many parents came with their newborns. Um, But when Mary and Joseph came, Joseph with the two turtle, holding the turtle doves, Mary holding the child, Simeon knew and came up to them. And he took the child from Mary's arms and he held the baby up to heaven. And he said, Dismiss now thy Lord. Dismiss now thy servant, O Lord. Dismiss now are the Latin words nunc dimittis. And it is the prayer of Compline that every consecrated religious, every priest, the Holy Father himself, say every single night. And it's Luke chapter 2, verses 30 to 32. Um, Dismiss thy servant, O Lord, in peace. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast proclaimed before all hand, beforehand to all the peoples. Um, the light for re- revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. 
It's beautiful. We say it every night. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. The glory of thy people Israel is because it is it, it is what God has done. Not because of their faithfulness, but because God, what God has done through them. And yes, God has always kept a remnant for himself. Were it not for the faithfulness of the remnant of the Jews, we would not have the Messiah. The church was founded on Israel. The Last Supper with the Messiah was held with Israel. The priesthood, the, the, the Eucharist, the sacraments were initiated all with Israel. Um, and then a light for revelation to the Gentiles, because through Israel, all the world will know. All the world will have the Messiah that came through Israel. And this is the day we celebrate that. Christmas is the day that the Messiah is born on earth from a virgin. And Epiphany is the day that the truth of the Messiah of salvation himself. Yeshua in the Old Testament is Joshua. In the New, it's Jesus. It means God is salvation. And Epiphany, the Feast of the Epiphany, is the Feast of the Three Kings who saw a star and knew that that the Messiah had been born, and they went to find him. And as you know, they found him in a stable in Bethlehem. And that little baby in the manger... That little, tiny, cute thing wrapped in swaddling cloths is the Savior of the world. And I tell you, beloved, he held the world together from the manger because he never ceased being God. He never stopped being God when he came out of the womb of the Virgin Mary, who remained a virgin even after his birth. He came through her womb the way he came through the tomb, without even tearing his burial claws, came right through them and came through Mary's womb the same way. And she remained a virgin. And he remained God. He became 100% man. He was always 100% God. And he didn't give up one for the other. He's 100% God and 100% man. And thus he remains through all eternity. Um, the writer of this article, by the way, I should tell you his name. Um, he's very good, and he writes. He's on the staff of uh, Regina Magazine, and his name is Ed Masters, um, and he's he's truly wonderful. He's used a, a whole um, a group of wonderful resources to put this article together. And you can find it online at Regina Magazine. Just type Regina Magazine Epiphany and you'll have it. And Ed Masters continues, We learn from sacred history that in the early days of Christianity, this feast was celebrated with greater solemnity even than Christmas. Listen to this, beloved. You're going to be shocked that even than Christmas, how could that be? Listen, beloved, if it weren't for the Epiphany, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know that he was born at Christmas. This feast was celebrated with greater solemnity even than Christmas, the birthday of our Lord himself. For as the church exclaims in her joy on Holy Saturday, Holy Saturday now, 
of, quote, of what use would it be for us to be born if we had not been made partakers of the benefits of redemption, end quote. So might we cry out, quote, of what use to us would it be to possess all the goods and pleasures of the world if the grace of being called to the true faith had not been granted to us through the mercy of God, end quote. The three kings with their attendants prostrate at the feet of the infant Jesus were the firstlings of the heathens who acknowledged Jesus and entered his church. <clears throat> As we reflect upon the great happiness vouchsafed to them, the question forces itself upon us. Why do not all the nations likewise enjoy a participation in their happiness? And my answer is, says Ed Masters, because they do not look upward with the same love of truth to the star of the Magi. And this, as I understand it, I will explain today, says Ed Masters. O Mary, Queen of Heaven and Earth, Mother of the King of Kings, obtain for us from your divine Son hearts deeply penetrated with the love of truth. I speak in the most holy name of Jesus for the greater glory of God. We, beloved, went to a, a Novus Ordo Mass last night at the cathedral, the Mother Church, the cathedral in Tulsa, and the very young priest, Father David Karahal, very wonderful, young, newly ordained priest, he said when he spoke of the epiphany, he said it's the contrast with two groups of characters, he said. One, uh, the shepherds who were lowly and they saw the star and they were led to the manger. They want the truth, glory to God in the highest and peace to men of goodwill on earth. They were men of goodwill and they followed the star. They weren't particularly educated. They weren't, they were outcasts actually of the Jewish people because it was to be a shepherd was seen as to be very lowly and to be an outcast. Yet they were Jews and they followed the star and worshiped the savior. And the second group of characters, this young priest said, were the Magi who followed also the star. How did they get to know it? How would they even know a child would be born? How would they know it would be the Redeemer of the world, the Messiah? And he said ultimately in his message, because they were open to truth. And Ed says here, they do not look upward with the same love of truth. Um, If people don't know him now, they do not look upward with the same love of truth to the star of the Magi. You see, anyone who is open to the truth, truth I, can, I continue to think of that, that dear person who wrote in anonymously last week and said, I'm a good person, I do good things, um, I'm somewhere between a pagan and an atheist, am I going to heaven? You know, and I said right from the beginning, um, if that is a sincere question, I, I praise God for it, but it is um, 
I said it almost sounds like a trick question because um, no one can get to heaven by their good works. No one. And God, what God has created is good. You're right that you were created good, but you didn't remain good. There is none without sin. There is no one that doesn't need a Savior, you see. And if you're somewhere between a pagan and an atheist, and you even have the grace to ask such a question, it means that God is at work in your heart. And all anyone needs to do is to be open to truth. You can be a fervent evangelical Protestant, If you're open to truth, God will lead you all the way to the Catholic Church, to the church he established on earth. That's what he did with me. I wish those who led me to Christ as an evangelical Protestant, who know more than I'll ever know, who love the scriptures, who read the Bible through every year and more than once a year, and who love God, I wish their hearts would be open more so. And they would be led to the full measure of his love and his truth in the only church our Lord established, the only religion our Lord established on church, on earth, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Ed Masters goes on to say, Christ, before whom the three magi knelt, calls himself the king of truth. He calls his kingdom the church, a kingdom of truth. Consequently, whosoever will enter his kingdom and find therein salvation must love truth and seek it. Then he will find it, follow it, and through its influence attain salvation. It was thus that the hearts of the Magi were disposed. Therefore they learned to know Jesus and the truth contained in his church, to live in her spirit, propagate the kingdom of Christ, and the last to enter, at last, to enter the realm of his glory. They saw the star. They knew its signification and followed it. Why? They loved truth. Had not this been the case, The annunciation of the birth of our Savior through the star would not have excited so much interest in them. Through the star. I'm sorry, let me, I started with the wrong sentence. Had they not loved truth more than the goods and pleasures of this world, which as crowned heads they possessed in abundance, they would have undertaken at the cost of so much self-sacrifice to seek for Christ, but they were more interested. These are the Magi now, beloved. They were more interested in obtaining the truth of salvation, in beholding the coming teacher, the coming teacher of nations, in learning to honor and adore him than in all the treasures of the world. Beloved, if that is your heart, wherever you are, even if you're Catholic, God will draw you deeper into his heart and you'll begin to learn the treasure you have as a Catholic. The resolution of the Magi to search for him was sublimely heroic. If their eagerness for knowledge of heavenly things had not existed to so great a degree in their hearts, 
they might have thought within themselves, quote, it is well that he is born. He will surely arrange to come to us to teach us, or he will send someone else in his place. Besides, he is still a child and cannot converse with us. Wherefore then, should we undertake a journey connected with so many difficulties and perhaps expose ourselves to the derision and mockery of the people of Jerusalem, to whom it may be the star did not appear. Excuse me, beloved. All these circumstances, however, were of no weight with the three magi, in whom eager desire and ardent love overpowered all other considerations, and they entered upon their journey. The three sages searched for truth with assiduity and fearlessness. Quote, where is he who is to be born the king of the Jews? End quote. Thus they inquired, full of confidence, said their search would be rewarded. Let the population of Jerusalem think what they would. Let them mock and ridicule. Did they but know the name of the place where the Messiah was to be born? According to the declaration of the prophets, they would find the way thereto. And if they could gain no companions for the journey, which it would seem was eventually the case, as they left Jerusalem alone, the star again appeared and remained over the place where Mary abode with the child. They fell down before the divine infant, and oh, with what joy the sentiments of adoration, love, and gratitude do they offer him. Do they offer him their homage? But on the other hand, how graciously did the newborn babe bless them and replenish their hearts with the power and unction of his grace. How did it strengthen them? in their resolution to follow his inspirations, to live and die for him, and to spread his kingdom among their people all over the earth. The three magi searched for truth, found it, and returned obedient to the admonition of an angel by another road to their respective homes. Thus to escape the snares of Herod, and to fulfill the will of God. It was thus that these first fruits of faith in countries over which the dark cloud of breathlessness still rested gave the example unto the children of men how to know Christ and to enter heaven. And what is the reason that up to this time this was not done in such a manner as the mercy of God intended for the evils of all mankind. Ed Master says, I answer by the assertion that love for truth is, in general, rare among men. They love darkness better than light, delusion which flatters them more than truth, which points to the exercise of duty, which teaches the spirit of Christian self-denial, which inspires content, content, contempt of human considerations. 
united with that fidelity which assures for us perseverance unto the end. I think, beloved, of so many people who say, but why why doesn't God love me? Excuse me. Why doesn't he answer my prayers? Hold on one moment. I'm hoping to get over this cold soon, beloved. So sorry. He knows I'm out of a job. Why doesn't he answer my prayer? Why does he allow my husband to leave? Why this, why that, why that? And people blame God without having a clue who God is. They treat God as if he's a genie, there to serve them, there to do what they wish. And they don't begin to learn who God is, which is the answer to every problem we have, to know God, to know who he is. And then, only then, can you trust him. (coughs) You can't trust him if you think he's like us. Okay, beloved, we'll stop there. That's the music for our first break. God bless you. Um, You are welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free at 1-877-511-5483 or email mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer to St. John Bosco. O glorious St. John Bosco, obtain for us from our Lord a holy love for young people in order that we may generously spend ourselves in supporting them against the snares of the devil, in keeping them safe from the dangers of the world, and in guiding them pure and holy on the path that leads to God. Amen. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. At the Station of the Cross, we offer you the opportunity to listen to our network-produced programs whenever you'd like. Stream podcasts instantly on our iCatholic Radio mobile app. 
or download through our website, thestationofthecross.com. That's instant streaming on iCatholic Radio or downloading podcasts at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. It's wonderful to be with you on this wonderful, wonderful feast, holy, holy feast of Epiphany. And our uh, engineer at at the Station of the Cross has uh, sent me a note that it's also the feast day of St. Andre Bessette, a wonderful um, Canadian saint, indeed, indeed. And uh, it's also the 12th day of uh, Christmas, of the Nativity. So, uh, it's a very, very special day today. We're going to be taking your calls now, your texts, your emails, whatever is on your heart, beloved. The toll-free number to call or text is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, and the email is mother at the station of the cross dot com. Um, I told Mark on Friday that we would begin with his email today. We weren't able to get the whole thing on Friday, so we will, dear Mark, right now. Mark writes, Mother Miriam, uh, below is copied and pasted the questions I sent to AHC, which I am also now posing to you. Excuse me, and I mentioned that the AHC stands for the Association of of Hebrew Catholics, it is the association that my brother David heads. It's worldwide, and their website is HebrewCatholic.net. And Mark writes, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm a convert to the Catholic Church in 2005. Welcome, 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 Mark. It's so wonderful. I beat you in by 10 years. And Mark says, I'm having... Uh, an email discussion with a Protestant Christian friend. Below is my comment, beginning with the second point, followed by my friend's response. Okay, please comment on, quote, Jewishness is not defined by race, end quote. I am still thinking that a Jew can be defined by race, even if he or she is not religious and possibly does not identify for whatever reason, with the nation of Israel. Well, that's been my understanding, too, that you are uh, can be defined by race and are, because certainly, and I, I started to mention this Friday in the Old Testament times, um, the genealogy defines you as a Jew. You came through the Father's line. That's why it's so important that genealogies in Matthew and Luke, particularly those two, Um, show the genealogy of Jesus, proving that he's from the line of David, through Judah, through Jacob, through Isaac, through Abraham, all the way back to Adam. He's the son of God and the son of man. Very, very important. In the New Testament, after, uh, in the New Era, I should say, when the uh, temple was destroyed and all the records were destroyed with it in 70 AD, there's no 
longer any way to prove your genealogy or who you are uh, as far as your Jewish roots go. And so it was switched. Um, the understanding was switched that if you're, if your mother was Jewish, then you're Jewish because we know who the mother is, but don't always know, unfortunately, who the father is. So, and if there's no records to tell you that, then, um, then the more sure, uh, thing would be through the mother. So if you were born of a Jewish mother, then you're Jewish. And, and that's what we knew. And that's what we were raised with. That's what we understood. And then, um, let me just see, um, um, below is my comment beginning with two. Okay. So Mark's comment is there is the Jew of faith, the Jew of race and the convert to Judaism, as you know, and Mark says that because I'm a convert from Judaism and the convert to Judaism. Okay. I, I, Mark, there's no three kinds of Jews. There's just one. Someone's Jewish or they're not in my understanding. And if they are a Jew from race, uh, or if they've converted to being Jewish, then then they're part of the Jewish faith and the Jewish race. They have become that, as far as I know. But I'm not giving you uh, book uh, technical definitions here. <clears throat> and he says, Dennis Prager would argue that this is not the case. Jewishness is not defined by race. Okay, this is Dennis Prager, radio commentator, who many of you know, wonderful man, who is Jewish, and he says, would argue that this is not the case. Jewishness is not defined by race. Any person of any race can convert to Judaism. That's true. He is then considered a Jew. That's true. What defines a Jew, according to Dennis Prager, is both the Jewish religion, which is from the Torah, the law of God, and the Jewish nation. Um, Mark says, I found this second point interesting, but he makes the case that the Jews have always considered themselves a nation, right, a nation of people, in spite of being scattered throughout the nations of the world. That's correct. In the 19th century, there was a move in Reformed Judaism to try and define Jewishness in terms of religion only, but it failed. We... um, uh, it's right. We're a people. When we consider that God raised up Israel to be a nation and has promised to restore them to such, this makes sense. Also, I'm wondering if you have read Why the Jews by Dennis Prager and um, Telushkin, and if so, any comments about the book? I have not read that book, Mark. And have you, and have you read... Um, E. Michael Jones' book, The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, I have not read that either, and its impact on world history. If so, any comments about that book? I'm about 400 pages into Jones' book and have not read Why the Jews. I was especially, uh, this is just about the end of Mark's email here, I was especially hoping that David Moss could comment, that's my brother, that's the president of the AHC, since I am familiar with him via hearing Rosalind's conversion story. And of course, Mark, uh, you know that I'm Rosalind. I'm Rosalind Moss David's brother. My, my uh, religious name is Mother Miriam. <clears throat> 
um, I am going to contact Rosalind with the same questions. I guess, I guess that's what you, this is what you wrote to David, and now you're contacting me. Thank you, and may God bless everyone at the AHC. Thank you, Mother Miriam. May God bless you and your sisters. Thank you, Mark. You know, um, there's many arguments. The, the, there's a, two books that I would recommend, Mark. One is the book that the founder of the AHC wrote, Father Elias Friedman. It's called Jewish Identity. I would read that because in that, Father Elias uh, goes into depth on who is a Jew. Are we Jews because we're born Jews, even if we don't practice, even if we become atheists? We're Jews because we were born Jews? Or... Um, are we Jews if we practice the faith? Um, and uh, it's quite a debate now in Israel where the Orthodox Jews say the Reformed Jews, even though they call themselves Jews, are not Jewish because they don't honor God and they don't practice the faith, according to the Orthodox Jews. So one who is really a Jew is one who is a Jew truly and practices the faith and lives as a Jew. That question, I don't think, I don't know, has been definitively answered. But Father Elijah's book would be a big help. So is Roy Showman, Salvation is from the Jews. Roy Showman, Salvation is from the Jews. That's our Lord's comment. I recommend those two books to you, Mark. See if they could help you any further. God bless you. Users of iCatholic Radio are leaving inspiring reviews in the iTunes and Google Play stores. Emilia says, iCatholic Radio is the only radio station I listen to. It's my constant companion whether I'm in my car or walking. It's a good way to learn and to deepen my understanding about my faith. It's a source of reliable information of which we badly need in our culture. I encourage everyone to listen and support iCatholic Radio as a gateway to heaven. Another reviewer writes, at last, a radio station worth listening to. Thank you, I love it. And Deepak writes, a Catholic media treasure trove, spiritually uplifting and fun. One reviewer says, love it, love it. I'm learning so much about the Catholic faith, it makes me seriously consider conversion. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, we'd love to hear from you. Visit our page at the iTunes or Google Play Store. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you. Welcome. 
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. This is our last segment. We've got the, oh, over 15 minutes together, so I invite you to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free, one 5483 one 5483 or text or email at mother at com. We have an email from Brian in Ohio who says, Dear Mother, <clears throat> from listening to you on Mother Miriam Live, I've heard you express what I believe to be a pretty straightforward disapproval of Pope Francis. Oh, my dear, Brian... I, I can't tell you how grateful I am you have sent this email. I want to answer it, but I want to finish reading your email first. And you say, <clears throat> and I also heard you advise a woman against going to a church that was in schism. Is it possible to disapprove of the Pope and not be in schism? Very good, Brian. I'll continue one more paragraph of Brian's email. I have only quite recently found you and have really enjoyed listening to you. Quite simply, I don't understand how you can be a Catholic and not submit to the Pope and accept his views on everything. I hope you know that I am asking in sincerity. I do know that, Brian. I realize that you are very busy and probably can't give this much time, but if you can, point me to some literature that can help me to see clearly that you are not taking two opposite sides. I would appreciate it. Sincerely, Brian in Ohio. Brian, your question is perfect. <clears throat> it's logical and it's understandable from listening to me, and I regret it. Um, last week I did an entire, uh, almost one-hour podcast, an entire show past the half-hour break, on uh, to give an apology for what, um, for the criticism I gave, not of Pope Francis, but of what he was doing and of the situation in the Vatican that I found to be that not I, but others, idolatrous and, um, uh, and therefore, if it's not of God, it's of Satan and demonic. And I said that. And I said at the same podcast, um, <clears throat> I'm not saying that the Pope is demonic, because I do not believe that, but I believe what was happening at the Vatican and what he was, some of the things he was doing was demonic. Now, can you be doing things that are demonic and not be demonic yourself? The answer is yes. Yes, I, I do not believe the Pope is demonic. But any time we part from the worship of God to the worship of demons or idols or anything else, to me, it's demonic. So, because I did that program, it caused quite a bit of difficulty for people. Um, <clears throat> uh, it is not for, I, because, Brian, you are right, not me. You are right. Um, it is not possible for a cat, someone to be Catholic and not respect the Pope and, um, uh, and not submit to the Pope. It is not possible 
for someone to be a Catholic and not submit to the Pope. You are 100% right. My criticism of him may have been founded on certain facts. I may be in line with others who are saying, who are pointing out the things that are gravely wrong. Um, I happened to be reading a, through a, a, a LifeSite news article when I was commenting on the Pope, and the article was fine. I went further than the article and confused a lot of people with that, and I, I had a whole podcast apologizing for that. Um, it is not my place to be criticizing all of that, but it is our place to not enter into error. So, Brian, you are right. Um, I did advise a woman not to go to a church that was in schism. Um, And you say, um, is it possible? Oh, dear. I just lost your email. Let me go back to it. Hold on a second. I'm so sorry. Um, Okay, I've got it. Thanks. Hold on just a moment here. You say... um, Is it possible to disapprove of the Pope and not be in schism? No, it's not. No, it's not. It's very difficult. We're in very difficult times. I got a letter that asked me the same question. If you disapprove of the Pope, then you're in schism with the church because he is Christ's vicar on on earth. Um, But again, um, a Pope, dear Brian, as you know, is not impeccable. What he teaches when teaching on matters of faith and doctrine, uh, faith and morals, is infallible. But he, as a human being, is not impeccable, which means that he is capable of wrong judgment, of sin, of all of that. He is uh, as we are. And when he uses his own judgment or speaks off the cuff uh, or, or does many, many things, um, do we need to submit to those things in in a heart of faith as a true child of the church? We should submit, but we also must know our faith. And if he declared something that was binding on the faithful, we would need to submit or we would be in schism. And at that point, the cardinals of the church or whoever were in proper power, proper place, could declare him a heretic. Uh, if he ever, um, uh, it, it, has, it has been written by others. This is not my opinion. I, I, I want to be very careful in what I say because um, it's caused a lot of problems uh, by my saying it's he's not in schism. Uh, he's not, but that what he he's not. To, um, how do I say this? Um, that he's not demonic, but some of the things happening at the Vatican, which he is doing, is considered demonic. Um, if you want to listen to a uh, correction, to a, a true account of what is the faith, we just put up on our website and sent out as an email uh, a message that Cardinal Mueller gave to the um, associate focus uh, the, of uh, college students. It's magnificent. It's on our website, www.motherofisraelshope.org. That is perfect. Um, I get a little um, unclear here because um, when we know our faith, when we know the scriptures, for example, I'll give you a, a, a big one here. If the Pope says, 
that um, that we can give communion to non-Catholics or to divorce and remarry Catholics who basically are living, uh, civilly remarried, who are living in a state of adultery. If he says that, he's not declared it an infallible doctrine because it would go against the scriptures, St. Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and go against 2,000 years of church teaching. So I won't declare the Pope a heretic, but I will say you may not do that because it goes against church teaching. And we're not in schism to follow church teaching. And someone says, but the Pope says it's okay. But he says it's okay as a man who is fallible even though he's the Pope. If he spoke from the chair of Peter, ex catheter, out of the chair of Peter, and what he says was absolutely binding on the faithful as a change in doctrine or a new doctrine which must be adhered to, then we'd have to decide either the Pope is a heretic uh, or we no longer come under him. We have to make that terrible decision, you see. You cannot be Catholic and not submit to the Pope in what is infallible doctrine of faith and morals. But on other things, many popes throughout the years have been wrong. Many popes have declared wrong so-called doctrine. It's very, very difficult for the faithful. So, Brian, I would say to you, um, I... I'm not disapproving of the Pope. He is Christ's vicar on earth. But I have said and will continue to say that much of what he's done is not true to the faith. And it's not my judgment. It's the judgment of the cardinals of the church. I'm simply uh, uh, agreeing with and, and saying what Cardinal Seurat, what Cardinal Burke, what Cardinal Mueller, Cardinal Brand Mueller other uh, solid um, prelates of the church have said. Does that make Pope Francis not the Pope? It does not not make him the Pope. It means that he is speaking error, but it's not error that is binding on the faithful. So I am under the Pope. I submit to the Pope. I don't disapprove of him. He's God's Pope on earth unless we ever know otherwise. But if he does or says things which are against the faith, we are not bound to follow him or to approve of those things, Brian. We are not bound. I am Catholic. I believe the church is the church Christ established on earth. Nothing is going to pull me away from that. And this is the Pope. If we ever learn that he's not the Pope, that he's an anti-Pope, we'll deal with that then. But as far as we know, he is the Pope. And anything he says that is true, that is binding on the faithful to believe um, uh, canonically, then I believe it. And if I can't believe it, then I'm no longer Catholic. Or he is a heretic, and we need to show that. Okay, I know this is tremendously troubling and very, very confusing. But we are in very, very confusing times. Um so I'm not taking two opposite sides, Brian. I, I And I asked someone to call me and straighten me out if I am. I, I know that people believe he's the Pope. We should submit to him entirely. But we cannot submit to error. 
And again, uh, the Pope is not impeccable. He can say things that are wrong. That has been the case through 2,000 years. In fact, it was the case in Scripture where the Apostle Paul corrected Peter and admonished him in Galatians because Peter was saying, Peter, our first Pope, was teaching incorrectly to the Jewish people of the time. And the Apostle Paul came and shamed him in front of them. And the Apostle Paul was not the Pope, but he was right. Um, Bishop Sheen, I, I, I don't have the um, quote in front of me. Oh, I wish I did. I need to look that up to have it in case it's, it would be helpful for others. Bishop Sheen said that there will be a time that, that the, the, the prelates of the church, bishops, priests, uh, religious will no longer speak the truth. And he said it will be up to the laity to, um, to preach the truth. It will be up to the laity to help religious and priests and bishops act as religious priests and bishops and go back to the faith. He said it will be the lay people who do that. And so, Brian, um, uh, this is the church. And as far as we know, Pope Francis is the pope. So I'm not disapproving of Pope Francis as the pope, but... It's not for me to approve or disapprove him, but I, I do say that much of what we've witnessed um, is, is idol worship, is demonic. Uh, many articles about that uh, in the last day or two as well. Um, it does not mean he's demonic. Why he's doing this, why he's allowing this, I don't know. Um, but I, I cannot judge him. Um, but we can judge what's happening, and um, and we pray for him. Uh, we pray for God to open his eyes and heart, or our eyes and heart, that we that we see as one and live the one holy Catholic and apostolic faith. I, I'm sure I did a very poor job on your on your email, Brian. Um, <clears throat> but I want to stress uh, and apologize again to anyone who thinks that I said or th- even think that the Pope is demonic. I do not think that. In fact, I don't believe it at all. I'm not simply refraining from saying that. I don't believe it at all. My, my understanding would be that this Pope has a very, very different take on the faith of the Church, on philosophy, even on theology. And where it may go against what Christ teaches, it's not true. It's not true. But we, we leave him to the Blessed Mother, and we leave him to God, whose vicar he is. Our Lord Jesus Christ is building his church, excuse me, and able to direct our Holy Father, who is our Holy Father, just as he's able to correct us. And again, the Pope has never made a single statement binding on us that would not be correct. It is our duty as children of the Church, the one holy Catholic and apostolic Church, to honor the Pope and to pray for him. We will speak with you tomorrow, beloved.